0: Before you take your seats, um, I feel led that we should pray for people that suffer from any kind of skin problems at any time. So if you, if you suffer from skin problems, or if you suffer from scalp problems or hair problems, um, I want you to leave your seats and come on the platform. We're going to pray for you. We won't have time to ask you what all your situations are, and it's not like we can test something like that unless suddenly something in your skin disappears. Well, you can let us know about that. But that's how I feel led by the Holy Spirit. So whatever you are, whatever it is, small or large, don't worry about, don't worry about, oh, shall I come or shall I not come? Why not come? Come on the platform. The reason I'm asking you to come on the platform is because the rest of the congregation, uh, who can take their seats, uh, are going to pray with me for you. And so... uh, Uh, and just how I feel led. So do feel free to take your seat. You can still stand if you want to pray. It's up to you. But uh, we're going to do this uh, because I feel led by the Holy Spirit for us to pray for such things. And I really believe that God is going to answer our prayers. I really believe that something is going to happen in your lives when we do this. That's the beautiful thing that... If the Holy Spirit does lead you to pray for specific things, then uh, it's because he wants to do something about it. We can take great comfort and courage when we have a word of knowledge about such things. And so that's good. And, and there's obviously a, a felt need that's here today. We just wait until everybody so that comes up. And uh, just where, just where you are, just where you're standing, just open yourself to the Lord. Maybe open your hands just symbolically as if you're going to receive and there's nothing that you need to do except receive but we're going to pray and if you in the congregation can just begin to pray you might want to extend your hand if you like just to say Lord send your healing power who knows as you pray in your seats uh, you might not know but you might have a word of knowledge you might feel led to pray for a certain skin disorder or for certain scalp or hair. I don't know. Let the Holy Spirit use you. You could be the person that releases the healing in an individual's life. So you can pray generally, but also pray specifically, whatever you feel led for whatever situation. And you're just going to release right now healing flow. Father, we sanctify this platform and, uh, we ask your healing anointing to come in Jesus' name. We pray that for every person that's on this platform, there is a need, there's a request. And you said that we could boldly approach the throne of God in times of need for grace. Jesus, you're the same yesterday, today and forever. Nobody can heal, you heal, but we can call upon the healer just like we call upon the doctor. When we need help, we can call upon the healer when we need healing too. We believe in doctors and we believe also that you are the great physician, Lord. So release your healing power on every skin situation or skin disorder or skin irritation, whatever way it manifests or when it manifests. In the name of Jesus, release your healing power in the areas of people's skins, Lord, that your healing power flow in everybody that needs a touch in their skin, Lord, a healing touch. Release, Lord, your power. Anything that's not of you, Lord, that affects their skin, we pray in the name of Jesus, be healed. Be healed from top of your head to the soles of your feet. Be healed in the name of Jesus. We pray for everybody that with hair and scalp situations, we pray, Father, your blessing right now into those areas, whatever it might be, the irritations, whatever it might be. Father, release your Holy Spirit according to your leading today and touch every life on this platform in the name of Jesus. Lord, each one is special. Each one is chosen by you. You love each one, Lord. And Lord, here they are. Here we are. We stand with them before your throne of grace. So, therefore, release gifts of healing, gifts of miracles come into their lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, fall upon them, touch them, heal them, strengthen them, go to the root causes of these skin, hair, scalp situations, and Lord, release a healing, wholeness, and health in these areas, Lord. We pray, Father, that very quickly, there will be, the symptoms will leave, the healing will come, the blessing will flow, the restoration will come, health will be restored, Lord. Work your works for the sake of your glory, and the love of your children. Give them the manner of healing today in every life, in every situation. We pronounce cleansing, healing, presence of God fall on your lives. And in the name of Jesus be made whole and be healed. May the power of the Almighty shadow over you right now. May His wings beat above you right now. And may the wind of the Spirit flow through you and on you and in you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with health, healing and wholeness in the name of Jesus. Be made whole and be strong and be blessed and be healed. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. May God's love be poured out in healing power. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You're welcome. Please take your seat. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's a strong anointing. Wonderful. I want to minister to you on something I've been thinking about. Couldn't really sleep last night because I was thinking and praying about this message that I want to minister to you tonight. I want to encourage you. And what I believe the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart is to speak about the value of a human soul. The value of a human soul. One human soul. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Emperor Charlemagne. Now, the Emperor Charlemagne um, was a very powerful warrior king. And uh, quite a while after the Roman Empire had been really destroyed. He arose in France and united most of Western Europe. He was a great warrior king and uh, he was crowned the Holy Roman Emperor. And with all this power and all this greatness and all this rule that he had over Western Europe, when they died uh, they put him in a vast vault and Later on, hundreds and hundreds of years later, people opened it. And where they found him in this vault is that his skeleton was sitting on a throne. He was there as as the king, the emperor. This is in his vault. This is his tomb. And he had some scriptures in his hands. And his bony finger was pointing to a certain scripture. And that scripture was from Matthew 16 verse 26 Matthew 16 verse 26 and it reads like this What good would it what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul What will it profit a man, Mark says, if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or What can anyone give in Matthew in exchange? What can you give? In other words, how valuable is a human soul? Well, I think in this passage, straight away, we get this powerful answer that you, you alone, you by yourself, you as a human soul, You are worth more than the rest of the world's resources and riches put together. Now that's a very powerful thing to say and it might take a while for that to sink in. That's why I want to minister it to you, hopefully prophetically, tonight. Let me say this again. You alone, you by yourself, you are worth more than the whole world the whole universe you are more precious, you alone, than the whole of the world. In this passage, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their own soul or lose their own soul? We have that great king Charlemagne, and uh, united the whole of Western Europe, a great king, a great emperor. but even he, in his death, was pointing out a truth. He hadn't gained the whole world, but he'd done a good job in the time that he lived. But he understood, and that's why he had this open, he understood that all of that meant nothing if he had died and lost his own soul. We speak about the value of a soul. I started with that verse, but where else would you, would you go to see the value of a single soul? Well, you know, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and God is creating the whole universe, and it's a powerful passage. He creates the stars and the galaxies and the suns, and He creates the earth. And then He does this incredible creation, and and soon we have the sea teeming with sea creatures. We have all the precious herbs and the fruit trees. And we have uh, uh, the birds flying in the sky. And that, then all of these amazing, incredible animals. And that must have been amazing to, to behold. And remember, this was before the world fell. We live in a fallen world. I don't know if you've noticed it. But this world has fallen. It doesn't work like it should. If we were God and we'd created the world, we wouldn't create it as it is now. With sickness and dying and wars and terrible situations we wouldn't create it with death well if we wouldn't how much more God didn't do that God created the world perfect there was no crying, no dying, no lying there was no hate, there was no wars there was no disaster, no death everything was beautiful, everything worked perfectly and the abundance and the fruitfulness of the earth and the universe and the beauty I mean the world is still beautiful isn't it The world world has got great beauty and at the same time great horrors. We can still see the signature of God written in the world. But the pinnacle of his creation was humankind. He said, Let us make man, mankind, let us make man in our own image. Male and female, he made them. In his own image. And that's where we understand, that's the beginning of understanding the value of a human soul. You see, a human soul is not just another animal soul. I mean, we love animals. People love animals. They have pets and dogs and cats and they love animals and all that's wonderful because we're meant to steward planet Earth. And everything speaks about God. But a human soul is in a totally different category of worth than an animal soul. These things need to be said. Why? Because false evolutionary theory and societies in the West that are based on false evolutionary theory basically teach that we are simply one animal amongst many animals. That we, that we are, are, are simply a, a, a higher evolved animal than another. But apart, apart from our level of evolution, we're no different than the rabbits. No different to the pigs. No different to the monkeys. No different at all. We're just slightly further on or not in the evolutionary uh, progress. And therefore, the, in, in, in the vast majority of Western mindsets today... A human being is, is 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 no more worth, when it comes down to it, than an animal. Now, of course, this isn't acted out totally in practice, but if people were true to their false science and true to their evolutionary fo- philosophy, they would have to say it is the case. But the Bible teaches us that when God created the human soul, it was of a totally different category than any other created being, including angels. It was a totally unique... The human soul, the human being, was the crowning of God's creation. In fact, everything that God had created up to that point was created for that human being, for that human soul to look after, to to rule on behalf of God. Uh, All of it was there. This was the environment, the perfect world, the perfect universe, the perfect creation, the perfect animals and and fish and and birds, all of these wonderful creative things, perfect in their original creation, were created as the perfect environment to put the human soul. and For God to say, let us make mankind in our own image, is one of the greatest dignifying words that you'll ever read in the Bible about a human soul. Because God was basically saying that we were unique amongst his created order. He was saying something as well. He's saying, although these human beings are mortal and finite, although in the beginning there was no death, he says, I'm going to take, this is God, the Trinity, I'm going to take something of... Who I am. In fact, in the Hebrew, you might know it says, let us make man in our own image. This was a Trinitarian thing. We're going to put something of the of, of who we are as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're going to put something of who we are as God, and we're going to put it in our highest creation. The 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 cherry on the cake of creation. The, 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 the best that we can do. We're going to put it in man. And we're going to make mankind, the human soul, we're going to make it so wonderful that we're going to put something of ourselves in it. There's going to be a mirror. When you look into a human soul, it was like the Trinity was saying, let us make mankind in our own image. He was saying, when you look into a human soul, you're going to see a finite mirror of the infinite. You're going to see characteristics of who we are as Trinity, who I am as God. And we're going to put these characteristics in human beings. You're going to see resemblances. And I was meditating on that and thinking about that. And I thought, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I wonder what the fallen devil thought about mankind. The devil had fallen probably before man was created. I'm not sure, but imagine that the devil was fallen before man. And then... Perhaps he sees the devil fallen, up, maybe. He sees God creating something out of dust. And the devil's seen all the other creation and still thinks that he is pretty good and looking good because he was created the cherubim. He was a cherubim and he was created as one to guard the glory of God. You don't get a more powerful angel than Lucifer, you know, not in the Bible. You can get angels as powerful, perhaps Michael and Gabriel, but, but no one more powerful. He was a cherubim, a guardian, guarding angel that looked into the power and glory of God. And that's why on the, um, on the Ark of the Covenant, you know, the box with the poles where the glory of God was, on top of it, you had two angels, cherubim, and they touched wings and their faces were pointing down into the glory of God. That was a scale model image of what cherubim did and the devil was a cherubim. But imagine when he first glanced at the human soul, Adam and then Eve. He must have looked at them and got a fright. The devil must have thought, what What is this? It's God! It's God! You know, he he had spent his time worshipping and guarding the very glory of God. Satan knew God intimately. He was one of his highest, most ranking, powerful angels. And all of a sudden, out of this clay, he sees somebody and this person, the way this person is, the way this person looks, the way this person acts, Satan looks and he says, this person resembles God. I can see God in this person, acts like God, speaks like God, characteristics of God a mirror image and a finite mirror, mirror image of the infinite. Have you ever seen someone or known someone and, and then you get to meet their parents and immediately you see the mother or the father and you can see the resemblance? Or you see someone's sister or someone's brother and you look at them and you can say, I, you look just like your sister you look just like your brother or i can see your dad in you. You, you that's quite an amazing thing to see isn't it and they say oh like 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 father like son or mother like daughter and and you see that i always think i think that, that, that that's amazing to see that you're not just an individual but you reflect who you've come from and people say don't they sometimes oh she's got her mother's eyes and unfortunately her father's nose or oh, that type of thing don't, don't they that's the sort of thing they say and they, and you and you see that and you look at you know and and, and it's fascinating because you are a, a, a unique person there'll never be anybody like you ever again you're a unique unique soul no, nobody ever like just like you before and no one ever like you just uh, after after you but it's so wonderful that you have features, and sometimes not only do you have physical features where oh that's that's her mum in him, that's 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 her, her mum in her, that's her dad in her, that's you know, but sometimes you can pick up the traits of your parents, can't you? Anybody married here today, or a parent, and uh, you said you'll never be like your mum and dad in certain respects, and suddenly you find yourself telling your child and you're thinking and you're like. Okay, that's my mum, that's my dad. Or you have or you have traits, you, you support the same team as your father, or or or, or you, you, you know, they say sometimes, oh you've got your 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 father's brains or your or your, your mother's beauty or your father's temper. Or anyway, I've made the point. Well that's that's amazing that you're unique, but you still reflect somebody else. Well, every human being reflects God every human being in such a most amazing way in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Amazing, because it was the the human soul, Adam and Eve, they were perfect in every way, flawless in every way, flawless in, in physical creation, flawless in character, flawless in their finite representation of God. And so I think when the devil saw Adam for the first time He must have been filled with horror, jealousy, because he thought he was the best thing ever created. Jealousy and hatred. Because every time he looked at Adam and then Eve, and then to see them together, it was like seeing God, God. No wonder the devil wanted to destroy them. No wonder he wanted to deal with this human reflection of who God is. And of course, we know the fall took place and not only did mankind fall into sin and under the power of sin and under the power of judgment and under the power ultimately of Satan because of sin, but when man fell, he took the whole of the created order with him and brought death into the world, sickness into the world, strife into into the world. And as we know now, This world is broken, this world is fallen, we see great beauty but great horrors. But we know that God is fixing one day to restore all things. And before I come back to this, because I'm just building a background, do you know that the pinnacle of God's redemption is going to be when Jesus returns? Because when Jesus returns, the dead in Christ will Rise first. And then if we are still alive, when Jesus returns physically to earth, if we are still alive, we will in a twinkling of an eye, 1 Thessalonians 4 says, in a, in a split second, our body will be glorified. You know, the believers that have gone and died and gone to be in heaven and left their bodies in the grave or wherever, they're not going to come back in the bodies that they left. Your, your, your body is fallen. And that's why if we live long enough, we're going to die. But when Jesus returns, if you're dead, your body's not going to be raised like, like it is right now. It's going to be totally 100% glorified and perfect in every way. And so will, you, so will you be in that. It's a difference. It's like the oak tree in my back garden. I've got this huge, hundreds and hundreds of years old oak tree. And every year, it drops all these acorns. And I pick up an acorn, and I look at that acorn and I look at this massive spreading oak tree, and I'm like, how can this little acorn be like a big, incredible oak tree? Well, your body is an acorn, but one day it's going to be like an oak tree. You say, why are you saying all this? I'm saying all this to say how fearfully and wonderfully made you are. And that although you live in a fallen body, and and still the beauty of humankind comes in many ways, internally and externally, that you are unique and you are uniquely valuable. You are more valuable than the whole universe, you alone. Now, this is interesting because not everybody believes that human beings are made in the image of God. And yet much of the great blessings that we have in Western society are based on the Christian principles that every human being is worthwhile. I mean, every human being, no matter how broken physically or mentally or spiritually, every human being is absolutely and totally worthwhile to God. The kindest and the most hateful are absolutely, totally valuable to God. This is at the heart of many of our Christian beliefs, our beliefs that, that abortion is wrong. What's that based on? It's based on the fact that the moment, at the moment of conception an image of God has been formed that will grow and everything that's in that, that person right then at the moment of conception will cause them to grow and to flourish to become everything that they are. They're a human soul from that moment. That's that's why we believe these things. Now, we know that sometimes people get into trouble and people have abortions, and it's forgiveness for people and healing for people that do that. But nevertheless, it doesn't take away that every fetus is precious, uniquely precious. You're not more precious to God when you come out of the womb than when you're in it. You're not more precious when you're an a fully, fully adult than you are two seconds after the sperm and the egg have come together. You're not more precious to God. Why? Because you're a human soul. This is why questions of euthanasia are important to us. Putting people to death because someone judges that they're not worth keeping alive. Or our views on, on the disabled. And today, people are saying, oh, do you want to check to see if you've got a disabled child or not? Because if you have, maybe maybe you, you won't want to have that child. Well, to people that believe we're just some sort of evolved animals, when it comes down to it, scientifically, that false view, no wonder they, they would think like that. But it's interesting enough, a lot of people don't think like that. You see, not many people take evolutionary theory to its total logical conclusion, thank God. But some are. And every human being, every human being is is worthwhile. Now, what sort of price would you put on a soul? In the Matthew 16, 26, it says, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You know, sometimes you hear stories about people selling their soul to the devil. Um, The great story from Faust, where Faust makes a pact with the devil. And if the devil gets his soul at the end of things, uh, then he will give him power and everything that he wants here on earth. And he makes a pact with the devil. He sells his soul for this, that, and the other. Well, what is the price of a soul what if, if you took it into a someone like a, a jeweler's you know you can take your ring into a jeweler's can't you and you can say ah oh, would you would you value my ring please And you're expecting something like 600 pounds and they say 60 or something like that you say, no 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 come on give me a fair deal and you go and, you, and someone looks at it and they they look at your ring or the jewelry and they say well what carrot... Is this gold? What quality is this gold, and uh, and how well has it been fashioned, and uh, all these different things? Just they're valuing your piece of jewelry, and then they come and they say, "Well, this is what I'd give in exchange for your ring or your jewelry. This is what your jewelry is worth." Well, what valuation would you put on a single soul, a single human being? I remember I said, any human being, any human being, any human being. Well, the price of a soul is, is set in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. It tells us how much a soul is estimated by God. 1 Peter 1. 18. 18. Knowing that you, you, don't think about the person next to you or behind you or in front of you. Think about you and you alone. You, knowing that you were ransomed. That word ransomed means purchased, bought back. The word ransom, the nearest thing is like those pawn shops where if, if you don't have enough money and you think, oh, how much for my ring? Oh, uh, 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 you, you can have, you know, hundred pounds. We'll, t- we'll give you hundred pounds for your ring, okay? And then I'll, I'll, when I get a bit hundred back, I'll, I'll come back and I'll ransom it. I'll purchase it. This is what this word means: to buy, to buy back. But you were knowing that you were ransomed or bought back from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Not with perishable things such as silver and gold. That's the normal currency. That's what you'd normally use in those days to buy things. How much gold? How, How much weight of silver to purchase this? Well, Peter is saying you weren't bought with anything that the world has. But look, but you were ransomed, purchased with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Well, there you go. There's nothing in this world or universe that is worth who you are or could buy you back. What price of a soul? All the gold in the world, it couldn't buy you. You're more valuable. All the silver, everything, all the precious jewels, all the cattle on a thousand hills, all the... The, the the stars and everything in this material universe, everything, not the whole universe is not more valuable valuable than you and you alone as a single person, according to scripture's teaching. Because when you needed to be brought back and you did need to be brought back, because you you and I and the whole human race, we fell in Adam. When he fell, we all fell, and into the world came a spiritual hereditary disease called sin. We speak about physical hereditary diseases. It's part of a fallen, broken world. And these physical diseases like sickle cell, unfortunately, you can inherit them from your your forefathers, and you inherit them. It comes down the bloodline. Well, sin is a spiritual hereditary disease. When Adam fell, we all fell in him. And all of us that have come from Adam, we have fallen. In fact, the only person that's walked on this earth after Adam that wasn't fallen was Jesus himself. He was the new man. Thank God we're in him now and not in Adam. And we were fallen. And we were now, Romans says, slaves to sin. We'd given up our freedom for bondage and rebellion to God. And now we are slaves to sin. We couldn't not sin if we wanted to, and we don't. We didn't even. We don't even know what sin and righteousness is. We are totally blinded by the God of this world. The Bible says that Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, so they can't see the state they're in or the salvation that they need, unless there's an intervention of the Holy Spirit. So we are servants of Satan. Ephesians chapter two says. That the sons of the disobedient, the children of the disobedient, walk according to the course of this fallen world, according to the principles of the prince of the power of the age. We're in bondage. We need to, as uh, as we were talking about, we need to be bought back. Someone, someone needs to pay the price. Not only that, but we are also under the judgment of God, and that's the most important thing. The wrath of God was revealed against us. We had sinned and broken our relationship with God. Someone someone had to pay for your sin and it looked like it was going to be you. And you say, well, well, how much is the price of sin? Well, the price of sin matches the price of a soul that sinned. And the price of a soul that sinned, if, if you're going to pay the price of sin, then it's going to take you forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And ever. And ever, it, That's called hell that was not created for you, but the devil and his angels. You, a totally perfect, righteous God with total holiness and a sinful, eternal human soul. That's how important a soul is, you see. But thank God, God sent his own son and said to his son, Son, I've got a plan for you. For God so loved the world... That he said to his son, I've got a plan if you're up for it, son. I want you to go as a human being. I want the word to become flesh. I want you to become like them, just like we made them a bit like us. I want you to go and be among them. I want you to be a human among them. Fully God, yet fully man. He prepared the way by making us in his image. And I want you to pay the price. How much is the price, Father? It's going to be your eternal blood. It's going to be every drop of your blood. You are going to have to pay the price. Should you choose to go, I want to send you. I'm asking you to go. And the son said, I'll go, I'll do it, I'll pay. Why? Because a human soul is worth it to God. And not just all human souls, but any human soul. One human soul. What you really have to understand is that if you were the only, preachers often say this, but it's true, if you were the only human being on planet Earth, Jesus would have still paid the ultimate price for you. And his blood is precious. Precious. That's what Peter calls it. He says, verse 19, but with the precious blood. He didn't just say the blood of Christ, he said precious. What does that mean? It means worth, doesn't it? Christ's blood is Precious. It's not just any blood, it's the blood of God's own Son. And it is the most precious, if I can use this phrase, commodity in the universe. Because it's only the blood of Jesus that can buy back a human soul. The whole of the whole, as I said before, get this in your spirit. The whole of the universe and everything in it is not enough to buy you back. You're, you're far too worthwhile than that. It's not enough. God would laugh at it. Oh, what if we gave the whole universe? Well, it was God's anyway, but if we could, the whole universe to buy back a soul, God would say, sorry, the whole universe is not precious enough for one soul. One soul your soul. The whole universe, priceless. But Jesus died. And because Jesus died, that also explains how valuable every single human person is. We already saw it in Genesis, in the created order, in the creation, God said, let us make man in our image, humankind in our image, valuable. But now in redemption. We see that value even more. God says, not only are they made in our image, but God so loves you that he sent his only son to pay the ultimate price to purchase you back, to bring you back to God, to break the power of sin and the power of Satan over your life, to deal with the wrath of God that would fall upon you. But Jesus said, I'll take the punishment on their behalf. Think about some of the parables as well that drive this home. Luke chapter 15, you have those three parables of lostness. You have the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And the lost sheep, the picture is, isn't it? You've got nine. a hundred sheep and one goes missing. Now, this shows you the power of and the importance and value of one soul. Because the parable of the hundred sheep is really about the one sheep, isn't it? And you've got, the shepherd's got 99 sheep. He's lost one. Well, you know, law of averages. You know, happens. You've got 99 sheep. You're all right, 99's pretty good, and you can have some more. They can mate and have some more. You lost one, don't worry about it. It's not that important to lose one in your herd, and surely you're not going to leave the rest of the herd to go after one and put them in jeopardy. But that's not the point. The point is this, that the shepherd values that one sheep so much that the value of one sheep is to the shepherd the same value of all sheep. That's quite profound. The value of one sheep is as valuable to the shepherd as all sheep. Don't think that because there's millions and billions of human beings on planet Earth, that somehow, because we've got billions of human beings, therefore you as one human being, what worth are you? I mean, hey, if if God loses you, is it really that bad? He's got billions and billions, six billion or ever more that he can use. And sometimes I know that people feel, and especially in in a city like London, sometimes you can feel alone. You can feel, have problems with feeling, what, what, what's my life worth? You know, you, you, you can be walking down Oxford Street with everybody around you and feel totally alone. You can be in a tube and think, well, who are these people? Knowing that even on a crowded tube, you'll probably never see any of those people again in London ever. And then you look at the news and all the things that are taking place and the millions and the billions, and you think, where does little old me fit in here? And, and God is saying, the one is as worthwhile as the six million. That's not, that's not that God doesn't care for the multitudes. He does because there are multitudes of ones. So hear me. The one sheep was as important to the shepherd as the 99 sheep. And if any of those 99 sheep had got lost, they would have been important to the flock. And then the next is, is the picture of the woman and she's got coins. How many coins? Was it ten coins or Five. Can someone tell me? Ten. She's got ten coins. And again, it's the same picture. She's got ten coins. She loses one. Well, you know, you got nine. You can get, you know, you got nine. It's not bad. Things happen. You get, you lose coins. And um, but what did she do? She put the nine down, and she searched that house until she found that one coin. Why? Because the one coin was important to her as the nine coins. The one sheep was important to the shepherd as the 99. You see, that's the way God's work. It might not make sense to us, but that's what the way God views you. That's the way that God views every single person. And think about Jesus. He, he was, every soul was precious to him. Some of the souls that he went after, nobody else would have gone after. Nobody else would have touched the types of souls that he went for. He went for this. it's like, uh, it, it is the um, 150th anniversary of the creation of the Salvation Army this year. Do you know that? I think it's June or July. 150 years of the Salvation Army. And William Booth was a powerful mega church pastor do you know that he had a congregation in newcastle of thousands and yet he was sitting on his platform he had it all made he was the darling of the methodist connection everybody loved him i mean he he was he could have been on god tv every day he could have been doing the conferences and he did the conference circuit he did all those things and he's sitting with congregation ready-made thousands of people in newcastle And he kept staring out the window, and inside he was saying, what am I doing here with these people that have God when the people that don't have God are out there? He went down into Cornwall and had a massive revival. People getting saved left, right, and centres coming. I mean, thousands and thousands were coming in in the space of months with uh, William Booth's preaching. He he, he could have gone. And then he came to London and gave it all up for the worst, the slums the children with no homes, the drunks, the dirty. And he said to those that joined him for this task, he said, we're going for souls and we're going for the worst. Well, Jesus went for the worst. He went for the prostitutes. Doesn't he know who's wiping his feet with her hair and her tears? If he knew what manner of woman this was. We know what Jesus' response was. He she that is forgiven much loves much. He went and touched lepers. No one touched lepers. They were leper colonies. They weren't anywhere near you. They had to ring bells. Uh, they weren't any. He went and he he didn't just like from a distance say, God bless you. Then he hints that like, God bless you. He touched the untouchable. If he was in India, he would be going with the untouchables. He would be touching them. That's where he'd be. He'd be with all the untouchables. Why? Because every human soul is infinitely valuable. There's no souls that are more valuable than others. Sometimes we can fall into this trap because we're human. And, and some people are more valuable to us than others. And some people give more to us and are and our, our friends. And I understand that all that's fine. But, but we have to recognize... That even the people you don't like are as valuable as the people that you do like to God. That's why Jesus said, love your enemies. How can you love your enemies? How can you genuinely love your enemies? Only if you begin to have a revelation of what I'm telling you tonight. That your enemy is as infinitely valuable to God as your closest friend God, God, and God does not distinguish between their value. The most powerful, godly Christian on earth and the most demented ISIS terrorist. Is one more precious to God than the other? Is one more valuable to God than the other? No. No. Jesus chose Zacchaeus, the tax gatherer. I mean, most of the widows had been robbed by Zacchaeus. And Jesus says, I'm going to spend, I'm going to have lunch with you today. And people could, they were so offended. Why? This man was worthless. This man was evil. But you see, Jesus, he knew everybody was worthwhile. Even on the cross, that murderer next to him. Even while he was on the cross, he was thinking about the value of a soul that was on a cross next to him that man in roman times deserved the cross he was a murderer but he said jesus remember me when you come into my kingdom jesus recognized the value said today today you will enter into i mean i wonder what the angels thought when, when jesus entered into, into paradise i mean jesus walks in and everybody can't believe it the lord said he says oh and i bought a friend He got a last-minute ticket. He was on the cross, but I couldn't help it. I had to bring him with me. The value of a soul. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be saved, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. How do we even begin? To move in the fruit of the Spirit that is love. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is one word, love. The rest of the eight words are a description of what Christian love is like. Many people don't even know what love is. The world has no idea what love is. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. Love is peace and joy and kindness and patience and generosity and uh, faithfulness and these things. That's what love is. That's why you can go to 1 Corinthians 13. And if I have all knowledge but don't have love, and if, if I have all power and don't have love, and, and even if I give my life for a cause and don't have love, I am nothing. Why? Because you are not valuing the souls around you like God values them. Love is about valuing one another like God. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you esteem one another, value one another. That's uh, John 15, 12. John 15, 35. This is how they will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the revolution. This is the revolution that we begin to see every human being tomorrow I don't know what you're doing tomorrow I don't know where you're going I don't know where you're working or what's happening but tomorrow look at people differently just the person you walk past in the street infinitely valuable all the wealth in the universe couldn't purchase them they had to be purchased by the precious blood of Jesus and what about you and your self esteem tonight you feeling low some of you You're feeling ugly on the inside. Maybe you feel ugly on the outside. Maybe you feel that you you don't amount to much. Maybe you look in the mirror occasionally and say, I hate myself. Others would never think that you would say it, but you might say, I hate myself. Maybe even self-harming at times. You hate yourself. You wish you were somebody else. But you are uniquely you. And if you could only see yourself through the eyes of the one that paid for you a healing would begin in your life maybe not instantly but over or overnight but a healing would begin in your life if you knew how worthwhile you were that you are as you are you are as worth while not just as everybody else but the one is as worthwhile as the billions we we God Holy Spirit sometimes I feel like I'm preaching and these things are so big and amazing and when we look at the world and we see how humans treat one another. Every you know yesterday I was with Charlotte's my daughter's disabled friend. She's mentally disabled, and her friends are disabled. And I was I was spending some time with them, five or six of them. And As I looked at them and as I was thinking about this message, I I mean, I I believe this message anyway, it's not new to me. But I looked to them and do you know what? I looked at them, I tried to see God. I tried to see the God value that was there. And it was a totally different way of approaching them. And the beauty there's Michael, he's highly, highly autistic. And most of the time, you'll see him sitting in his chair and he's ripping paper. And he rips the paper perfectly. It's just paper. He rips it in perfect straight lines. Tiny, and then he rolls them up perfectly. And, and, and it puts them in a bucket. And you have these incredible things. And, he just rip, and he'll do that for hours and hours. And over the months, every time I go in, I greet him. Hi, Michael. How are you? And to begin with, it was like, what? who is this? Stay out of my zone. But time after time, I greet him. I affirm him. I look into his eyes. I mean it when I greet him. I'm not just saying hi to the disabled bloke mean it, he's valuable, he's precious and and, 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 that, and, and now when he, when he sees me coming to the door and I knock on the glass door and he sees me, he can't help himself, he's all excited why? because someone loves him, values him I want to think of some of the, the other girls there, there's a, a Maria, and she's highly disabled crawls around a lot but every time I go to I just see God in her, look into her eyes say hi Maria, how he talk to her you say, oh, she can't understand what you're saying. <laughs> she's made in the image of God. And, and her body and mind might be broken, but her soul is as whole as you, you or me. And then after a while, she comes and she gives you a big hug. And a hug from Maria is worth more than a hug from any of you, no offense. Why? Because she's special. And, and, and special... Needs have special ways of bringing God. I use them as an example because that's my family example, but also to say it doesn't matter who people are. When you meet people and they're, they're obnoxious and annoying, most of them are in the church, but <laughs> the occasional non-Christian that's not obnoxious and annoying, how do you deal with that? You've got to look beyond that and see a soul. Aren't you glad God looked beyond me and you and, and our fallenness to see who we are? Let's pray. Lord, what is mankind that you are mindful of, him or her? What is man that you are mindful of us? What is man? What are human beings that you care for us? You've even made us a little lower in power than the angels. But in your Son, you've crowned us with glory you made us for yourself and that's the greatest dignity that you could ever bestow on somebody to make us for you you even came in our image lord jesus and you coming dignified humankind even more now god himself had become man he dignified us you picked out those in the slums you picked out the worst of worst of humanity you served them and gave them your life so that the best of humanity would be humbled and recognize the infinite worth of a soul. Maybe you're here in this place tonight or watching on TV. What you have just heard is the gospel from creation to redemption that God loves you and that you're as valuable to Him, more valuable than the whole world, and the only thing that God would accept as, as, as a worthwhile purchase for your life back from sin was the blood of his own precious son. And you have a choice. You can accept the Father's love and his gift and you can accept being bought back to God by the blood of Jesus, paid the price, died when you should have died, took your sin on his body on the cross so that you wouldn't have to carry it before God, gave you eternal life, paid the price, made the way. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. And you have a choice. Would you like to come to a God who loves you that much that he sends his only son? Would you like your sins to be given? Would you like the wall between you and God of your sin to be broken down, dissolved in the blood of Jesus? Because all you have to do, you don't even have to do anything except take this as a free gift and say, yes, I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again and is seated at the right hand of the Father. If you believe that in your heart, that's all you need. It's all you need to come back to God. And Then the process of healing, dignifying and restoration, the plan that God's, God's got for your life is a dignified plan, a plan worthy of his child. You become his child, you become his heir, his heiress in Christ. And a whole new world, even though we're in a fallen world, a new world will open for you of dignity. You say, I'm ready. I want that. I want to pray for you. And I'm, I'm going to ask you a couple of seconds just to lift your hand so I can pray for you. Say, why do I lift, asking me to lift a hand? Because if you're serious, you'll let me pray for you. You'll lift your hand. Jesus didn't die in a cupboard somewhere in secret. He died naked, shamed on a cross, carrying your shame in front of everybody even his own mother but he was not ashamed of his shame because of the esteem and the value he placed on you so if you would like to walk out of this building redeemed by the blood of Lamb to begin to experience how much God loves you and values you I want you to lift your hand right where you are now and I'll pray for you right where you are lift your hand so I can see yep thank you yep Anybody upstairs? Now's your time. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Yep, thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you. Open the right. We'll just Anybody else? Hands are going up. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you. It's not too late for you to put your hand up while I'm praying. I oh, thank you for every hand that was put up. Lord, it's them expressing out of their heart that they understand how much they're loved and valued. Lord, let this be the first day of their life with you on earth. Although we walk in a broken, fallen world, thank God they have you by their side now, watching over them as their good father. And we ourselves, Lord, respond to you. And we say, Holy Spirit, help us understand this about ourselves so that the healing of self-worth in Christ can come, but also... Help us look at other people like you do. Help us treat people in the office, and the workplace, people that are just colleagues. May we look at them differently, value them differently, treat them differently, show elements of that value through what we do and what we say. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Those of you that lifted your hand, someone's going to come to you because they've got a gift they'd like to give you. They just want to pray through things and nothing to be worried about. We're here to help you. But I'm going to ask the team to come up. We're just going to end. We're going to just worship the Lord. If any of you have anything during this time that if you need to leave right as, as we begin this song, that's fine. If there's anything you came here and said, I really want prayer for a specific thing, maybe you want someone to pray for you in response to what you've heard tonight. We have people here at the front that will pray for you. You can come out while we worship the Lord. And, uh, and, and we'll do that. Let's, let's stand together.